0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So, by now, you've probably heard of Boy in the Box, a 65 year old cold case that was just solved this year in fall 2022 that involved a young boy who was found in a box and he was unable to be identified. But have you heard of Girl in the Box? My name is Sophia Talley, and this is True Crime Annette. Apologies if you are hearing meowing. I had inherited a giant black mane cane from my family member who passed away. My aunt passed away from cancer, and she's always loved cats, and she her cats are her children. So it was really important to her that someone in her family takes her cat. And I was the only one that was able to take the cat. And so now the cat's in my office with me, and he's a vocal happy rambunctious, roughly 30 pound Maine Coon. And I've already had to restart filming this because he knocked down my camera twice because he's that big and my office is that small. Also, if you're watching this, you may notice my background is very janky. I am surrounded by moving boxes and clutter. And that is because I am in the middle of moving. I'm moving in like two days. So this will be the last time you guys will see me in filming in this room. So yeah. Without further ado, I hope the audio is great for this episode. And let's get started with Girl in the Box. So in 1962, barge worker named Jesse F. Davis, he's 43, and he's just working his job on the barge on the water in the Sholey Hill, which I think that's how you say it Sholeek Hill in the Philly area, Pennsylvania, right? So he's working on his barge and he's looking out, he's scanning. And he sees a clothesline floating like in the water. And he's like, all right, what is this? So he hauls over the clothesline and he sees that it's wrapped it like around a wooden milk box. And so while it's still while the box is still in the water, because, you know, he don't know what this is. He cuts the line and suddenly a the small body of a headless child floats up to the surface and he instantly calls the police completely horrified upon the medical examination of this body they found that she is She was a very young black girl, roughly between the ages of four and six. She was 40 inches tall and weighed about 45 pounds. So she was very little. She was naked and she was wrapped in a plastic sheet and a white apron. And this apron resembled one that is often worn by machinists. And she was just stuffed in this milk crate. And milk crates aren't that big, you know, so she's folded into this crate. And it is believed that she was thrown into the water roughly either five days ago, or even up to two months ago. Her body showed clear signs of abuse before and after death. Both of her arms were fractured before death. And on her ring finger was actually almost amputated and after the and this happened to her in life and someone wrapped gauze and tape around it you know to to help it heal which is so bizarre and her body also shows like signs that she had been burned post mortem. her back and her feet were burned and it's possible that whoever did this was trying to either dispose of the body or distort her features so that way she can't be identified it is believed that she was put in the river roughly eight miles up river in philly under her body, they found pages from the local Philadelphia newspaper. So making it clear that whoever put her there was in Philadelphia at the time. And those papers were dated March eleventh, 1962. Side detective Captain David E. Brown was put on the case, and he instantly just had absolutely no leads. Nobody was reporting a young missing black girl at this time. He distributed flyers to the community and got no response. Everything was a dead end and he had nowhere to look, which is so odd because a child that age, people would realize that they are missing. They are normally in school. They have family, neighbors, people who worked in the shops around them and just she just disappeared and nobody noticed it is absolutely unacceptable. And it is clear that somebody somewhere knows who she is. But either they just didn't realize she was missing, or they're trying to just bury it. And she was actually buried in the same grave site as boy in the box. The boy in the box's legacy was kept alive by the detectives who worked his case. And these guys who worked these case, predominantly white men, they saw the boy in the box who was a white child as someone who like resembled their family and someone who they really felt for. And therefore, they kept his story alive. They kept talking about it. And they kept searching for answers. And this resulted in his body being exhumed in 1998 for DNA collection. And then he was reburied in a donated plot on Ivy Hill Cemetery. And he was given a beautiful funeral that was publicized, beautiful casket, a beautiful grave marker, and with his name being America's Unknown Child. And meanwhile, the girl in the box was still in the same pauper's grave that she was put in, forgotten. While the boy in the box was given such pomp and circumstance deservedly the girl in the box laid in a fiberboard coffin and i had to google what fiberboard was and it's just it's weaker than plywood it is the cheapest of the cheap it's it's glorified cardboard and unfortunately when i googled pictures it looked similar to the box in which she was found in and be- to begin with it's just fair It's just not fair that this young girl wasn't given dignity in life or in death and was forgotten while another young child with the same story, the same story was given more love and care and attention. And the only difference between these two children is their race and their gender. In 2018, forensic anthropologist Erin Kimberly tried to exhume the girl in the box's body as part of a larger study of identifying these Jane and John Doe's that were buried in this pauper's grave. But when they went to the gravesite, it was empty. Now this is actually common, even though this was only in the 60s, she was buried in the 60s. Grave records are often mishandled and lost, especially with these pauper graves or with people who just in general don't have a lot of money. It is not uncommon for family members to go back and then their loved one's grave isn't there. It is mostly because of the way records were kept. You know, they're all kept paper and files. Now everything is digital. But it's much easier to 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 make sure that we aren't losing our loved ones. But this is actually very common and I just don't want anyone to think that it's a conspiracy theory or anything like that. There's been a few cases where where people have been able to find a pauper's grave that was lost based upon looking for very old like pictures that was taking of the graveyard and mapping it using satellite. I did a whole case on it. I'll I'll put that case below too. And it's really interesting and it can be done. So just because they couldn't find her grave now doesn't mean that someone else can't put in the work to find her grave. In fact, the people who who did this, I I call it an experiment where they're able to locate a lost grave using satellite and old newspaper photographs. These were college kids. So what I'm trying to say is that it can be done. And it doesn't necessarily need to have tons and tons and tons of money to do it. So it is completely possible to find where she is. Because if we can exhume her, then we can extract DNA, which will help. Because then with that DNA, we can find familial ties. So there is one compelling theory of about who the girl in the box can be. So on July 21st, 1961, roughly 10 months before we found the girl in the box, Six-year-old Hattie Yvonne Jackson was playing in Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C. with her 10-year-old brother and some friends. A police officer actually stopped the children and told them to get out of the creek because it is heavily polluted and unsafe. The kids listened at first and then, of course, as kids do, they went back to playing. And an unidentified middle-aged white man saw this scene And he came up to the kids and he was like, hey, do you need a ride home? And the kids rightfully declined and continued having the time of their lives in this creek. But after this encounter, the kids looked around and they realized little six-year-old Hattie was missing. Now, witnesses claim to have seen two young men helping Hattie into a bluish, grayish, older Chrysler. And this was happening near Rock Creek Park. And the children's description of the middle-aged man matched the description of the man driving that Chrysler in which the two younger men were helping Hattie get into. So total, they saw three men, okay? And he was Caucasian, either between 30 and 40 years old. He was tan with dark brown hair that was pulled back. It was straight. He wore a white shirt and gray trousers, a black belt and sunglasses. He was 5'9". And muscular. Until this day, he has never been identified. But here's the thing: so Hattie, Hattie's description matches the description of the girl in the box. However, the girl's in the box description is very vague. There's not much to go on because she was found without her head. So all we have is just a rough estimate of her weight and and height. And gender and age, and unfortunately, the timing of these two cases don't add up. Hattie, you know, Hattie's disappearance happened ten months prior to the discovery of the girl in the box. So, therefore, it can, it could they could be the same person if Hattie was kept alive for 10 months by her captives. Or it could be the, the discrepancy could come from the fact that maybe forensics miscalculated how long her body was in the water. Because when the girl in the box was found, her body was horribly decomposed. And they said that she could have been floating from anywhere from, what what was it, five days to two months? No, and this is all just like an educated estimate that could be wrong. And we've seen in other cases on this channel before where the estimate was wrong, just because, you know, no one's perfect. We're just going by the evidence that we have. So some people do believe that Hattie is the girl in the box, but there is enough, you know, evidence to go either way. And that's why it's super important to talk about this case. Because if we can find out where the girl in the box's real grave is, and if we can extract DNA, then maybe we can identify her and bring closure to the people who loved her. And to prosecute the people who did this to her because there is a chance that these people are still alive that what the 1961 was not that long ago. And there's a chance that the people who loved her and people who cared for her or people like siblings who are closer to her age, you know, still want to find their lost sister or niece or aunt. And I found this quote by... Thomas C. McAndrews, who is a retired homicide detective, he states, every cold case needs somebody to keep moving it forward. Someone who cares has to adopt the case. Family, friends, clergy, press. Otherwise, it will fizzle out. And even though police have an obligation to find you know, these people's identification this takes money and time. And unfortunately, it takes somebody on the outside pressuring them to do their search and to go through these necessary steps to identify her. And now that it's 2022, you know, we have more than enough resources. And we have the ability to get this case solved, just like how we work tirelessly to solve the boy in the box. And the girl in the box's skin color and gender should not bar her from having the same dignity in death. You know, when I was reading the story about how she was found with all these injuries her head missing. And I just kept thinking about how pristine the boy in the box looked and how it looked like whoever put him there, you know, despite what happened in some weird capacity, whoever laid the boy in the box to rest, cared about him in some weird way. And meanwhile, The girl in the box was uncared for from the beginning to her end. Whoever took care of her didn't care for her and whoever took over her case didn't care for her and didn't adopt her in the same fashion as the boy in the box and did not provide her with even a well-marked grave. It is not fair. And as a little black girl myself, I am a little bit more triggered by this because it can happen to any of us little black girls. And I have a family member that we had just discovered was put in one of these unmarked graves in New York. And it just breaks my heart because I think even in death, we shouldn't be alone. My name is Sophia Talley, and this has been True Crime In Net. For more information, including show notes, please visit www.drunknitter.com slash truecrime. And now it's time for the knitter mission. So, today I am knitting a sock for my husband for Christmas. He has no idea that I am knitting him this sock, he thought he knew. And then I told him it's for his dad, who is his same size. So I even got him to try on said sock. And I didn't get to take a picture of it. I'm going to get a picture of him trying it on later today. And I'm super excited because he has no idea. I'm also going to knit him a hat. So he has no idea that's for him. And of course, I have my sweater that I knitted him that is almost done. So he's getting three hand knitted gifts this year. Oh my goodness, this guy is spoiled and he only knows of this sweater. So the saga of knitting my husband's Christmas gift in front of him continues. Also, you may notice in this episode, I am a bit more like exhausted. Oh my gosh, I just got off a flight from Philly. And I had inherited my aunt's cat. And so now I have like a 30 pound Maine coon um, sitting in my office who keeps knocking down my camera because he's so big. So I've been exhausted trying to, you know, adapt to having a third cat on top of moving in two days, and on top of just coming back from a quick 24 hour trip to the East Coast for a funeral. So if you see my eyes closing a lot in this, it is because they are hoping for a prayer. Before I go, i would be an awful podcaster if I don't rep my merch. True Crime in Knit. Check out this shirt. The link is in the description. And I will see y'all next week. Send me good vibes, guys. I am so exhausted. And now my kid's about to get off the bus in T minus five minutes. All right. See y'all. Bye.